Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Wait a second. Children of all ages? Isn't this show rated explicit? If that doesn't sound right, we're going to be using a lot of adult no-no words. Ladies and gents, we're proud to present to you the Spinning Our Gears podcast. As a reminder, the issues, views, and opinions discussed in this podcast are those of the co-hosts and their guests and do not reflect those of any department, agency, city, municipality, state, or country. All stories, characters, and individuals discussed on the podcast should be considered fictional for entertainment value, especially if there's any Blue Falcons listening in. Listener discretion is advised. If you don't like it, hit the big X and find something else. Otherwise, without further ado, here are your hosts, Turk and Swagger. Welcome back, everyone, to the Spinning Our Gears podcast. I'm Turk. That man of men over there is Swagger. Together, we're a couple of guys just spinning our gears. Swagger, what's going on, dude? Not much, man. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Hoping that this episode is the first one in a while where I'm not gasping for breath every breath that I take. <laughs> that I don't sound like Jabba the fucking Hut. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I'm glad you're getting over that that whole ordeal there. Well, my issue is that I get stuffed up, and apparently, I don't know how to talk and breathe at the same time. I do. I used a bunch of nose spray. Hopefully, that helps. You uh, yeah. You ever use a neti pot? I do, and I used that today actually because I had kind of yeah, a sore dude, throat. Yeah, dude, I started using that when this whole debacle with what is currently going on is going on started using a neti pot man those things are amazing now do you use it like you're supposed to like once a week or just when you're not feeling good i only use it when i'm not feeling good i probably yeah. should do the once a week thing but you know. i'm the same way i think yeah, like it, it suggests using it once a week and like replacing the thing like once every three months but i'm pretty bad about it i just do it when i'm not feeling good and i'll run that yep. pot like once or twice a day when i not feel good and it seems like it kicks that stuff out pretty quick yeah, my uh, one of my family members was telling me that another family member of ours uses that religiously, and yeah. uh, he's never sick. Oh, really? So, yeah, like I, you know, they say you can overdo that, but you know, and I don't know, I don't know what it what it is three times in a in a day or something crazy. Yeah, he he uses it all the time and, and is never sick, and he's he's older. I mean, he's sixty five, and I don't from my from my knowledge, COVID hasn't touched him at all. So. I feel like there's got to be something else there because it's just a saline solution. You know what I mean? Yep. Like yeah. you're just, for those that don't use it, it's kind of gross, but you're just basically spraying salt water into your nose and out the other side. Right. But you know what, though? Now that we're mentioning this neti pot, it'd be great if they contacted us and uh, we're like, hey, thanks for throwing us a little line on your pot. <laughs> I don't know that neti pot is the brand, though. What's the brand, you know? Ah, uh, dude, I don't know, man. Hmm. I have no clue. Hmm. We'll have to figure that out. Yeah, that'll be something that we need to probably look up. It would work. There's, I, there's, there's more. There's more than just one kind, though. Sure. Know? And I think you can do a different type, couple different routes there. But yeah, we like to do a little maintenance stuff every now and again. Last episode was the first one where we did not have any. There was no lagging. There was no interruptions. It came off pretty well. I think I figured out what the problem is, but we're gonna go ahead and try to troubleshoot it this episode and kind of test the theory, and we'll see where we're at. So hopefully, we can go back to back though, and and have a good quality clean episode. Yeah, I thought that, that last episode sounded really good and it was actually pretty funny. Didn't, no no pun intended on that. I mean, we you know, we tried to be funny at times, but it, it typically worked out pretty well there. Yeah, I thought so. So, you uh you a NASCAR fan? I I do watch it. I watched the Daytona 500. I will admit that I only watched a little bit of it this year. I was busy okay. doing some stuff around the house with the weather being so nice, so Yeah. Say the the rookie or one of the rookies won it. I guess he's He's technically a rookie, but he raced a couple races last year, and it's kind of kind of silly that they they call him a rookie because he's doing a full season this year. But right. sounds like it was what one overtime, and he he pulled it off. Yeah, it was close, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, right, almost photo finish, like it us- yeah. usually is every year. But there's a lot of wrecks too in there. I heard there was a guy went upside down, caught on fire, like car caught on fire or something crazy. Yeah, typical Daytona race. I think you're. <laughs> I mean, it's it's almost more of a war of attrition than it is who's got the best car. Like right. the win the winner, Austin Cindric this year. He's racing for a team that I think is classified as like a four star team out of five stars. New driver to the to that seat, obviously. But I think it was more him pulling it off. Like I said, just lasting 
lasting the race right. as opposed to other people crashing. So, and they they got new cars this year, new models. They do. They've got a single lug nut wheel, and then I think the engines are a little bit smaller, but the aero package is a little bit better. So they're supposed to be a little more competitive. Is that why I saw in one of the clips a wheel just going rolling down the road there? Probably. (laughs) Probably. That was a lot of the old time NASCAR fans weren't real happy with that. They, I guess five lug nuts is better than one to them, but it is what it is. It's going to evolve. You got to hop on board or sink, I guess. Yeah. Well, what's the next race? It's, uh, Fontana, I believe, California. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to try to watch that one. I I regret what not watching as much as I usually do. I, I missed the freaking ch- uh, the uh, green flag, the start. I'm you know, and I usually just about watching the Daytona 500, and and then you know I hit up a couple other races throughout the course of the year watching them. And I'd like to go to one, you know, especially yeah. like the Daytona 500 at some point. I think it'd be a lot of fun. But yeah, does your just, does your family in that neck of the woods go? Uh, no, actually, I don't think they've ever gone. I'll have to, oh. uh, yeah, I'll have to ask and see if they want to go sometime. Cause I think it'd be a lot of fun. I know I, I have some family members that have gone to, uh, um, like Chicagoland and stuff like that, but, mm-hmm. but nothing, uh, nothing real big, but I would like to go there. I'd like to go to Talladega, Bristol. Yeah. I think yeah. It'd be fun. So we get, we've got some coworkers that go to Bristol every year. Oh yeah. They seem to like it. So I don't know. Just curious if you, if you watch it at all or not. So. Yeah. We spoke to our legal team and it looks like we're good yeah. to go today. Looks yep. like we're good to, to talk about some injuries. This is going to be an interesting, uh, interesting episode and hopefully informative for some, uh, some people who don't know kind of the process of what goes on when you get hurt on duty. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we can shed some, nobody's going into things blind. Mm-hmm. My story is going to be a little bit descriptive. So I guess maybe the same same warning as our Dirty Birdies episode. If you got a squeamish stomach, maybe maybe don't listen to mine. But it's really not that bad. There won't, obviously, there won't be pictures. I won't go too gory. But, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, this will be a good one to talk about. I'm pretty excited. You know what? I know I've heard your story about the, the whole injury that you had. And we, <laughs> we were kind of battling through the same time and similar circumstances. I mean, yeah. relatively speaking, with like a... A, a, a dog being involved mm-hmm. but yeah and yours, was um, yours was yours your right knee it was yes okay yeah. so mine was too and i think ironically if i remember correctly we were like the third and fourth people at our departments within a year span to have a right knee injury oh there was like a curse going around then yeah. i didn't know that that's a, that's a tidbit that i did not know yep the other two had acl tears Ooh, ooh. so yeah, those are severe. On yeah. duty? I didn't know these. Um, No, I don't think they uh, were on duty. I think they were both off duty. See, and that's but, a whole other dynamic there for, you know, the, the listeners that don't, uh, you know, that don't know. I mean, getting hurt on duty and off duty is there's two different routes that you're going to go there. If you have a good department, you should be okay. Yep. If you have a, a bad department, I've, I've heard war stories of places that they just, okay, you're taking sick time or you're not getting paid at all. Right. We we were fortunate that it was not like that at all, but yep. excuse me, a little hiccup there. Yep. Well, do you want to – yeah, just a little hiccup, a little hiccup. We're, <laughs> we're okay. I'm not puking or anything, so. That, do that's you, good. Was our injury – was it two years ago? Was that 2019? I guess almost yes, three yes. now. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Mine was in October of uh, 2019, I believe. And so, well, mine would have been the same – almost yeah. the same month, right? I think I think you were a little bit ahead of me. I think okay. maybe maybe not. I don't know. Well, do you want to? Let's go ahead and kick yours off. Yeah. Or, or do you think mine was ahead of yours? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Okay. Do yeah, let's, yeah. Let's let's kick yours off, and then we'll go into mine, and we'll kind of bring it full circle. We got a plan, so. Sounds good. Yeah. So uh, so my injury that I sustained, like I said, back in 2019, uh, was a was a right knee injury. Um, mind you, I had an injury prior to law enforcement that the city was aware of when I got hired on at my, uh, my physical where I, uh, back in, I think like 2015, I tore my meniscus, um, in my right knee and they had to do a surgery on it and took, uh, like 90% of it or something like that out. So I only have like 10% left. Um, which like at that point, I'm kind of like, why didn't you just take the whole thing? But apparently doctors know more than I do, obviously. And they're like, well, that can give you some sort of padding, I guess. (laughs) 
Um, that was a anyway. Marine Corps injury, right? No, actually. Well, yeah, that was, that's where it stemmed from. Um, okay. But uh, it, actually, I, I injured it and got it locked up when we were down on vacation in Florida. And I had to ride back in an RV 20 some odd hours, 24 plus hours with my knee locked entirely. Um, and it hurt like a bitch. I, I bet. Mean, so I was popping all this ibuprofen and hitting everything on the way back and, you know, drinking a bunch of drinking a bunch of beers on the way back as well. Trying to trying to uh, drinking a know, bunch of Gatorade, the, you mean? Yeah, right. Gatorade. <laughs> I wasn't driving. Uh, um, well, no, full but, circle, uh, just stay away from Florida because it seems like all of our bad stories are coming from Florida. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, uh, yeah, so I injured it then, but, um, but it, it healed. I went through, you know, physical therapy and, and did all that and, um, was back to running, you know, great mile and a half times. I mean, no issues whatsoever. Um, but then I, you know, we get this call, um, back in October and, uh, the call just kind of set the scene a little bit it was, a just a basic simple assault call where some dude touched a female inappropriately at a, at a party, um, and uh they wanted to make a report and the the suspect you know decided to not hang around for obvious reasons um but we get we get in the area and you know typically it's like oh this dude left we're never gonna find him and uh you know we'll get some information and maybe do up a report and and go from there well we circle the block and end up finding this dude well um guys match and clothing description physical descriptors all that stuff so we go out with them and uh and talk to him and he's you know higher either either higher drunk or both uh but anyway um the one of our supervisors and uh, another officer <clears throat> that was with me uh stay hang out with this guy while i go talk to the victim and some witnesses and and get all their information their side of the story and uh they're kind of explaining what went on and the supervisor and the other officer are hanging out with uh, this dude. And I tell him, yeah, we're going to have charges, you know, so we're going to go, you know, arrest, arrest this guy. Um, they want to, they want charges pressed. So, you know, I notified the, uh, obviously the supervisor and the other officer at that point. Um, however, unbeknownst to me, uh, he, this, this dude was not being placed in, in uh, handcuffs or detained of any kind, you know, which I thought he would have been. So anyway, I get all the statements written up and collect those and head back outside and no one's no one's to be found. And I'm going, what the hell? Where'd these people go? You know, these all just kind of disappeared. Nobody told me. So I just felt like I was down there by myself. Like, they just leave me here? <laughs> but anyway, so I, you know, read, I asked them like, hey, what, where, what's your guys' location? And they're like, oh, we went inside his apartment. So uh, red flag, number one. Yeah. Never do that. Um, never let the suspect uh, dictate where they get to go. Um, cause you know, that can pose a bunch of officer safety issues, which in this court case, it, it absolutely did. So, um, well, let, inside, me, ask, let like, me ask you a real quick question on that. So I know who the supervisor was. He had a lot of years on, but was freshly back to the streets. Was the officer pretty new that was backing him up? No, no, this is, this is, this was a, uh, I think it was just a lapse in judgment in our okay. reality. A damn well should have known better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they both have more years on than me and I'm sitting here knowing, you know, we should have done this, you know, when I, that's what I was already thinking was occurring, you know, in my mind when I'm inside this apartment talking to these, uh, the witnesses and the victim and okay. I'm going, this is, this is what they're doing in my mind. Mm -hmm. And that's not what happened. So when I went back outside, I had no clue where anybody was. I'm going, Okay, well, you figured they were in the car, yeah, just on the way, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so okay. anyway, I ended up asking okay. where they were because I looked at the car, you know. I'm like, well, nobody's over there. So they're like, oh yeah, we we went inside and you know we're getting some stuff, and I'm like, oh okay. So I walk into the apartment, different apartment. Um, so I walk into the apartment complex, the building, with them, and you know they're all just kind of talking. The suspect seemed pretty elevated. Mm -hmm. He's kind of pacing around. Um, in there and I'm going, huh? Well, I noticed there's this, this older ladies in there who happens to probably be his mom. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's this pit bull and this pit bull is not aggressive at the time. Anything like that. It's just milling around. And, uh, the dog ends up, I'm on this like landing on the second floor of this, uh, 
this apartment building and this dog like gets out of the apartment and he's kind of like roaming around by me well the suspect comes out to get the dog and when he goes out to get the dog i'm like oh cool he's gonna grab the dog he's gonna take the dog inside he freaking bolts and jumps down the whole flight of stairs down to the main level damn and i'm like oh shit so i do the same thing <clears throat> i jumped like the whole flight of stairs trying to catch this dude and we end up going down to like it's like a split level apartment complex mm-hmm. and as i'm going he's out the door i'm going out the door he slams the door on me and the foot you know the foot pursuit ensues and uh i'm chasing this dude down the street <clears throat> well down the sidewalk and uh he's uh he you know he's on the sidewalk and i'm thinking okay what can i do what are my options here and i'm going well he had just assaulted me so mm-hmm. i'm like that's good so i'm like i'm gonna tase him so we're running and i didn't know where he was going you know he could have circled around the building and head back to the the victim's house so i'm like well mm-hmm. i gotta put an end to this mm-hmm. so we get running and i'm thinking to myself well shit, if i tase this guy on the sidewalk he's gonna smoke his face on concrete yep he's gonna eat eat shit. yep and i'm going Fuck, i don't want that because you never know what's gonna happen somebody smokes their head on concrete right so i'm like well i said as soon as he runs in the grass i'm gonna tase him and we're running full speed and he just happens to veer off into the grass and i just taser 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 and i lit him smoked him perfectly uh with the taser and he drops and that was mind you the first time i ever shot my taser deployed it on a person excellent and it did exactly what it's supposed (laughs) to do he went full lockup and fell over right onto the ground with silly salmon is that what they call it yeah oh dude it was i mean like the when i replay this whole scene in my head like part of it i laugh that part of it i laugh the next part coming up here i do not laugh whatsoever sure so um so unbeknownst to me you know the dog didn't go back inside and that dog decided to join in in the foot pursuit and is chasing after both of us and Hmm. well i dropped the I dropped the suspect with a taser and the dog is then coming barreling down right at me. What lunges yeah. at me like four times. And I had to take other course of action there. Mm-hmm. And, but in doing so, when I was trying to, you know, get away from the dog, um, the other officers are now piling on uh, the, the suspect to get him cuffed up. Yep. And this dog is lunging at me you know, like four or five times. And I am trying to get away from it. I had already used my, my taser so i'm like oh shit i don't know what i'm gonna do well i'm trying to get away and as i turned i popped i felt a pop in my knee uh, i don't know if that yeah i don't know if that happened like from jumping off the stairs and i just didn't feel it because the adrenaline was flying well yeah because it. i like i know the building you're talking about i've dealt with that guy that it's you have a set of stairs going down a set of stairs going up and it's like it's like six or eight stairs isn't it yeah it's it's yeah. a pretty good jump right so but yeah, it's, and then, you know, and then you go through that door and, yeah. you know, I, I don't know where it happened. Um, I was still <clears> able <throat> and to my knowledge, I was still able to sprint after I jumped off the stairs. You know, I mean, I mean, I don't think I was hurting, but like I said, you know, adrenaline's one thing. Yeah. So, and it's that, you know, the flight and fight and all that stuff gets kicking and I'm like, Oh my God, this is so much fun. <laughs> and we're running, you know, we're, like I'm chasing after this guy. This is real cop <laughs> shit right here. Like, like, dude, I I watch cops. I've seen live PD. I'm watching these guys that are working in these larger agencies, and they're going to say like apartment doors, and they're getting apartment doors slammed on them. And I'm like, every time I relive that, I'm going, shit. That where's was like the watching cops? <laughs> where's the camera crew at? Yeah, like, where are they at? So no, but the you know when I pop my knee, you know that shit fucking hurt. Yeah, and. And this dog is still trying to, you know, get at me. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, um, one of the other officers pulls his taser out and tases this dog. Never seen a, I mean, I, I've tased a dog before, but I only got one probe in. Yeah. He got both probes in this dog and it had full lockup as well. Okay. And it looked like it was like a stuffed animal. Yeah. <laughs> like, made the most sickening sound. And I love dogs. I mean, right. I absolutely right. love dogs and that hearing that sound i was like holy shit that is nuts it was the loudest freaking scream like from a dog it wasn't a bark it wasn't really a yelp it was more like a scream right like almost like that throat howl only high pitched yeah yeah, yeah. very much so 
so from what I've heard is that one of two things are going to happen when you tase a dog. It's either going to lock up like that, or even if you get probes in, it might just bolt as soon as it gets hit. Yes. Yep. So, so as soon as, as soon as it got back up from the, you know, rode the lightning, as mm-hmm. soon as it got back up, it took off running. Yeah. And, and that was it. It was gone. So, um, but yeah, it, that, that, that experience, that whole ordeal with me, um, you know, that could have been, you know, prevented just from an officer state officer safety standpoint, just mm-hmm. by, you know, once I said we were going to arrest the guy to, you know, putting him in handcuffs right then and there, mm-hmm. um, and not letting him mill around and then going upstairs to his apartment, uh, where the, the dog got involved and mom got involved and, you know, the, the crowd got bigger. So, sure. Sure. <clears throat> so yeah, that's, that's my experience. Uh, my story from, uh, my knee injury on duty, um, I think we'll probably just revisit a little bit on kind of the steps and process after your story and kind of cover some stuff there, but just to kind of give people a general consensus as to how, you know, certain things take place and then, you know, give them the story behind it. So, right. What do do you got? Well, we've got some, some similarities in our stories, just in the fact that, like you said, the dog, but then my injury was almost two separate injuries. I think stemming from the same one, like over, it happened over, you know, six months. But the initial injury was we were at, at canine training one day. We were with several other agencies, and we were running a scenario where I was inside of a caged area, and the dogs couldn't see me. Uh, I didn't have any uh, protective equipment on because we didn't want them to be searching for the equipment. We wanted them to be searching for me. The idea was that they couldn't get to me because I'm in this cage, and they can't see me. One dog went through did everything correctly. I'm just hanging out down there playing on my phone. The second dog goes to go through. And I remember distinctly hearing the handler give them commands to go find me. And I don't know why, but the handler was trying to work obedience at the same time. And I could just tell by the voice inflection with the handler, as well as the dog barking. I specifically remember thinking to myself, I hope they have equipment out there because I'm afraid the dog is going to get confused and bite one of them. Ironically, that's not what happened. I'm just kind of sitting there hanging out and it gets this weird deathly quiet at first. And I hear the proctor of the, the scenario telling the handler to get your dog, which basically just means put the dog up. We're going to reevaluate. It's not going, you know, not so much the dog's not doing correctly, but we just need to reassess and then go at it again. So I heard that. I heard him t- uh, telling her that. And then I heard, like I said, it was pretty deathly quiet for some reason. And then I just heard, uh, I had to replace my name. <laughs> I, heard, uh, <laughs> I heard, Turk, she's coming. And I look behind me and there's a 60 pound Belgian Malinois running at me at full force behind me. And the way that this was set up with the stuff that I was hiding under, there was no way for me to move or to like hide behind something. This dog was coming at me. I remember for some reason picking my leg up to try to kick at the dog. I just kept thinking like I've been bit in the hands before and that sucks balls. Yeah. Uh, Especially like long, like long-term afterwards. So I remember thinking if I can get my foot up and deflect the dog, it'll slow it down and maybe we can kind of figure it out from there. Well, I had this like glancing blow with the dog kind of like knocked her back, but then that movement just kind of rightfully so pissed her off. And so she bounded back and then jumped at me and latched on behind my knee, just slightly above it. And I remember kind of letting out a holler. And then I heard, I heard the handler go, where are you? And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, like they don't know where I'm at, and it's just me and this dog. I have no equipment to save me. I can't shoot this dog, obviously. I didn't have a taser like you did, and the dog was just kind of thrashing a little bit. And I want to say that it was maybe 30 seconds, 45 seconds before I took action. It might have been quicker because adrenaline was pumping, and it just seemed like that long. But what I eventually had to do, I had came to the realization, it's just me. I'm the only one here to help myself. I did what's called taking the dog off strong. And 
on the off chance there's somebody listening to this that's a suspect, not a suspect, but just someone who doesn't like the cops, I'm not going to tell you, tell them how they do that. Right. But I, I was able to get the dog off strong, which then also frustrated the dog. And she tried to turn on my arm. Luckily, I was able to hold her down and just hold her there while the handler finally got in and took the dog and took the dog away. I remember kind of the adrenaline wearing off and kind of having an adrenaline dump. All the other handlers that were there that day come rushing in. And the one guy, like I had full pants on and he just kept telling me like to drop my pants and they had to look at it. And I was like, dude, just give me a fucking second to catch my breath. And then you can look at my ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 I guess take me out to dinner first. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Like, I mean, are you going to sweet talk me or rub my shoulders or anything or just drop trowel? <laughs> Luckily, I had yeah. underwear on, and I had been planning on working out that day. So I was like, hey, go to my bag. My gym bag's in my car. Get, I got a pair of shorts in there. Let me switch out. And I just kind of hunched over, I guess, like you would at the doctor's office <laughs> while he's Jeez. looking at the back of my knee. And he's he's looking at it, and he goes, yeah, he's, you're definitely going to need some stitches, but I don't think it's that bad. We'll bandage it up and and send you off to the hospital and go from there. And I think looking back now, what happened was it it must have started swelling right off the bat because they bandaged me up really quick in what's called an Israeli wrap. It's just kind of like a, a bandage that's already attached to an ACE bandage. One of our fellow handlers, I hopped in his car and we drove to the hospital. I remember calling my wife on the way there and telling her, hey, I'm going to be a little bit late tonight. I got to get some stitches. But the other handlers are saying it's not that bad. Again, I couldn't see it. It's behind my knee. So I didn't know just how bad it was. We get to the hospital. They walk me back to an ER room. I sit down and a male nurse comes in. He takes a look at my knee and he goes, well, what do we got here? Like he didn't know what was around my leg. And I remember like, go get me another nurse. Someone who knows what the fuck they're doing, right? <laughs> like if you don't know what an Israeli rap is, being someone who works in a hospital, then we've got issues. Yeah. So... They cut that off. A doctor comes in and a nurse come in. I have to lay on my stomach with my the back of my knee hanging up. And I remember very specifically kind of freaking out because like every five minutes, someone else would come in and they'd finger my the back of my knee and they'd ask me to wiggle my toes. And like, yeah, right. So like you the exactly what the noise you just made, yeah. if you know playing sports or working in this career, when people start asking you that question, it could be really bad. Like they're afraid there's something wrong and that you can't feel your toes, but no one's telling me anything. They just keep coming in and poking me and prodding me. And Hey, can you wiggle your toes for me? And I'm like, yeah, I can feel them fucking wiggling. Like, just tell me what's going on, you know? So I'd say half hour goes by and the main doctor comes in and I'd finally had enough. And I'm like, just tell me what's going on. And the doctor was like, well, we've, we were calling over the orthopedic surgeon. He works for both hospitals in the area. He's on call tonight. We don't know if we can handle this or if he's going to have to handle it. And if you're going to have to go under. So oh. yeah, now I'm starting to realize like it's worse than what the handlers were thinking. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, I got to call my wife again. She's got the kids. We got to figure out a way to get my dog and my car home as well as now me home. And so I called her and I was like, Hey, you might want to see if someone can watch the kids and come out here. I'm still fine, which is something I would suggest to any law enforcement officer. If you got to call your spouse or your family because you've been injured, let them know you're fine right off the bat. Like, even if you've been shot in the fucking, you know, chest or something, let them know you're fine because their mind's racing a million miles an hour, right? Yep. Make sure they answer the phone. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I, I just I told her, like, hey, I need you to come in. I'm going to need you to get me right home. It sounds like it's a little bit worse than what they were telling me. Another half hour goes by before she can finally get into the hospital, and she's she's hot. I could tell she's hot. Like, I told her once that it was nothing, and now I'm telling her to get to the hospital. Rightfully so, I think she was pissed. She kind of relieves the other handler. He leaves. Orthopedic surgeon comes in. He's taking a look at it, and he goes, I don't think we're going to have to put you under, but we got to get in there. We got to clean it out. For those who don't know, a dog bite, they have to really, really, really sanitize it before closing it up because a dog's mouth has natural bacteria in it. 
that if they don't clean all of that out, it's going to get infected. So they gave me morphine right off the bat. Have you ever had that before? Uh, I don't recall. I, I don't believe so. Okay. So yeah. what I rem- what I remember was by that time, I really wasn't feeling much pain anyway. I think adrenaline and everything setting in, but they I think they gave me the morphine more for nerves and a little bit for pain. It's the weirdest thing. They give you this injection and it starts at the top of your head and you can feel it go all the way to your toes. It's almost like a heavy blanket, a heavy warm blanket is being put on you. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was kind of weird. They gave me some some topical stuff so that he can go in there and clean it. And I couldn't see any of this. I don't know how my wife did it. She's not the greatest with blood. She watched the whole procedure. She said it was like this machine that was like squirting water in as it was sucking it back out. And he's taken this thing and he's just scraping the inside of my leg where this dog bit to try to clean it up and get all that bacteria out. Well, you could literally see like skin and, and fat going through the tubes from my end. Um, from her end, she said that at one point it looked like he was literally two to three knuckles deep in my leg. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. Scraping this shit out. And I'm looking over at her and she's getting a little bit pale, but not too bad. She told me all this afterwards. I'm like, I can't believe you didn't pass out or like leave the room. He finally got it all cleaned out and then stitched it up. It wasn't, I would say that it was less than 25 stitches, but he basically told me, he's like, I just didn't count because I knew there was going to be a ton of them. So it took a bunch of stitches. They put me in what's called a soft cast, which is just kind of like a cloth cast just to make sure that my leg didn't bend because they didn't want that stuff popping back out. And I had to leave my knee, my whole legs, uh, locked out for two weeks straight. So yeah, it was not fun. And how did you you manage that? What did you like? What did you, what did you do? Just lay on the couch? Yeah, basically that I had it propped up most of the time. It was kind of like bed to couch and back. It wasn't fun. That's for sure. Um, from there, I guess I didn't want to, I don't want to jump the gun. I know that we're going to go into like what happens afterwards, but once the cast came off and I started physical therapy, I was actually having more pain in the front of my knee than it was the back of my knee. And I think that might've had something to do with either, either the initial impact from the dog or the fact that it was locked out for two weeks straight. So the majority of my physical therapy after that was trying to rehab the front of my knee, not the back of my knee, but it's kind of a weird little, little side tidbit there. Yeah. That's a, quite a so when that dog when you heard you know uh turk you know she's coming yeah saw the dog excuse me you saw the dog did you about shit yourself yeah i what i would say is i'm glad that i was given warning because i was able to react and slow the dog down Uh the way that it was phrased scared the shit out of me i bet and even thinking back now it kind of my adrenaline kind of kicks up like Turk, she's coming. Basically, like, there's nothing we can do. You're on your own. Kind of puts you on edge a little bit. Yeah, I would say so. So uh, did that handler uh, buy you like dinner over and over and over again? No. Ironically, my dog had bit her hand three months prior. Oh, payback. Well, <laughs> so I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> It was her fault getting bit. <laughs> like she, she had a full a full suit on, right? So she's covered pretty much head to toe, and all she has to do is keep her hands inside the suit. Well, my dog was coming, and for some reason she stuck her hands out. So she basically presented her hands to get bit. <laughs> it was the only thing that wasn't protected. <clears throat> so I've, I've, yeah, I've taken a bite from your dog on uh, with the bite sleeve on, and he's yeah. got a pretty mean bite. Yeah. I mean, in that case, luckily I was right there and I was able to get him off the bite. So she didn't sustain too many or too much, you know, bad woundage, but yeah, no no suppers for me. Yeah. Uh, Well, she, she should probably, you know, do that still to this day. (laughs) Um, But I remember taking a bite from your, your, your canine um, where we were in this uh, like small little house and I, I was down and he was kind of up on a couple steps and he, you know, you let him in and he's, you know, kicked the door open or whatever. He comes flying in there. He sees me and he leaped from like the top step 
you know, and I'm yeah. down. Yeah. I mean, I literally had to stick my arm out there just so we could get it. Cause I was like, otherwise it's going to be my face. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, this is not going to go. Good. Yeah. Face bites aren't good. No. Losing ears aren't good. Not yeah, that I've heard, not that I've heard those stories before, but that was kind of, huh. that was how that all played out for me. I remember, I remember the doctor prescribed me medication and I'm, I'm a lightweight. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. And he's prescribing this medication. I'm like, man, I don't just to let you know, I'm a lightweight. I don't take drugs. And he's like, you're going to want to take these. He's like, you're going to want to go pick them up right now and take them before the stuff that we gave you wears off. And you're going to want to take them like every eight hours till you run out. <laughs> so yeah, follow well, his instructions. <laughs> and behind the knee, you know, I mean, what a, what a really bad spot to get bit. Yeah. I mean, that you just feel like that would be painful. Well, and so what I keep smacking my lips because apparently I'm fucking weird. I don't know why. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what I didn't mention was that this dog had gotten down and scraped muscle, had not gotten all the way into the muscle, but had apparently just missed a couple of major areas, really. I think had it been directly behind the knee and not just slightly above it in the hamstring, it could have been bad. And then as a bit of a side note, had that first dog gotten through that first dog has like 30 plus street bites, hundred pounds. I probably would not be working as a peace officer today if it was the first dog that got through. So someone was looking out for me. Someone was definitely looking out for me. I know that dog. Yeah. Yeah. That that dog is a, is a, that dog is an animal. Yes. He is a beast. So it, as much as it sucked and as much as it hurt, thank God that it, it wasn't the first dog and I can still work today. Yeah. We, we had to, you know, do a little stint on the, the old light duty together and uh, yep. we had an interesting experience there and it was kind of ironic and I will, you know, I wouldn't, you know, we should have thought of this then, you know, this podcast then, but uh, yeah, yeah. But it, you know, it didn't, it didn't, you know, come to fruition there and, um, and here we are today, but. Um, do you kind of want to dive into the process a little bit as to, obviously you mentioned going to the doctor and yeah, uh, I guess. So part of it, I, I was fairly fortunate. My wife took care of a lot of the phone calls and stuff, especially while I was laid up Our HR, I think didn't realize specifically what had happened. Mm-hmm. And so my wife got pretty snooty with HR and like kind of put them in their place because I remember they'd asked some question along the lines of like, like sick time or workman's comp or if if i was gonna make it back the next week even and my wife was like no he's gonna be off work for at least two weeks he can't move his knee (laughs) like he's he's stuck on the bed unless you guys have paperwork for him he's not coming into work and uh from the sounds of it hr was like very apologetic and almost like they were frightened of my wife because well, I'm frightened of my wife sometimes too. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in all reality, you you don't want a police officer's wife to get involved. No, because they will put your shit on blast. Absolutely. And it happens all the time. It happens in every certain circumstance and all across the country. So right. Um, but yeah, people think people think of that. us. People think of us as being strong and brave, but our wives are ten times stronger and ten times braver for sure. Yep. And they're not so. afraid to say things. So, you know, they not don't have at a job all. to they don't not have a job all. to look out for. So. <laughs> they don't have supervisors and commanders to, to deal yeah. with. Well, but. you know, my wife's like uh you know, not to bring more dog verbiage into this, but she's kinda like a pit bull on the on the chain right now. She's ready to roll. <laughs> so, well, I don't know so. that I would I don't know that I would use that term. All right, we probably we shouldn't know, say that. We know another pit bull that I would not compare your wife to at all. <laughs> 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 it's, well, a, it's a may, figure of speech all right Turk. It's may, a figure may, of speech. maybe your wife's more of a doberman pincher okay you're gonna have to you're gonna have to explain her that whole thing otherwise i'm gonna get a real nasty call here soon. <laughs> yeah you might i yeah i may not be alive i'm just kidding um, <laughs> um <clears throat> so just kind of to touch base on um, you know, what kind of transpires with these injuries and on duty stuff. And, you know, you have to absolutely make sure that the, you know, it's workman comp related. There's yep. no reason that you need to be burning your, your paid time off. Um, 
while you got hurt on the job. You know, I, right. as much as some people will probably be upset with that, that is the reality of this circumstance. And um, you can't, you know, don't take that for granted. That's that's a benefit that you get um, mm-hmm. and make sure you use it. But, um, you know, obviously do everything you can to work your way back to uh, full duty, um, you know, and, and, you know, go through the physical therapy, put as much effort into it as you can. Even, you know, like me personally, I was doing good and I hit kind of a plateau and yeah. we got kind of stagnant and then we figured out what was wrong by some, some, uh, uh, some guest physical therapist came in one day and he just happened to be there. And my, the, my physical therapist that I was uh, using was on vacation and he started messing with my knee and he goes, Oh, I know what's wrong with your knee. And he did this like movement with my knee kind of popped um, the, the tendon that kind of popped out back in place. Mm-hmm. And that thing bruised up like almost instantly. Ooh. And yeah, we didn't do any physical therapy that day. That was at the beginning. He popped it in. He goes, all right, I can't work this today. You need to go home and ice yeah. um, your knee. And then we'll, uh, we'll shoot for a couple of days from now, trying to get you back on there. And a couple of days later, I still had bruising, um, obviously. Well, but, so, uh, so to back up a little bit, how, what was your experience like with workman's comp? Um, I think the, I think the state part of it, um, you know, the, the actual workman's comp, you know, agency or whatever you got, mm-hmm. I think they did awesome. Yeah. Um, very, very, uh, very nice. Very informative answered all the questions I had. Yeah. I think I agree. You know, like I said, the same time, I think the HR was a little green at the time. Um, yeah. Kind yep. of not knowing what was going on and, and so forth. And I think they kind of questioned a little bit and how long it was going to take before I got back. Injuries like this, you don't want to rush back because you, no. you, you're going to turn right back around and re-injure that thing and you're going to be out longer, you know, because it's no different than returning too soon from like an ACL tear playing football, you know, in mm-hmm. the NFL, you come back too soon, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, so if I remember correctly, it's been a little bit now. But when you go to the doctor and it's a work-related injury, they create, you know, they do all their paperwork. And then there's basically like a case file created with the state workman's comp. And they've got all the information there from the doctor as well as from your HR. And they kind of combine it together. I, I remember the same thing when I, when I dealt with workman's comp. It was, I mean, I've heard some war stories about how bad it can be, but I was very pleasantly surprised. They were like, no, you're good to go. Just keep letting us know what appointments you have and what more you're going to have to have. And, and you're covered. You're good to go. Yeah, that's uh that's exactly it too. Cause um, you know, I was a little concerned going through the process, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I have a family that I had to look out for and wanted to be getting paid and didn't really want to be burning my paid time off. And right. So it was nice that the, the work comp people were uh, more decent and, you know, you know, let me kind of run, steer the ship as I went through uh, mm-hmm. the process. And, um, you know, and it, it, it may take longer than, you know, I've talked to quite a few people at our department, but then also other departments regarding, you know, like the, the fit for duty when you get hurt on duty mm-hmm. and trying to get you back to full strength and putting you back out there on the street. It may take longer than you expect it to. It absolutely did for me. I was expecting, you know, okay, I was at the time like 20, I don't know, eight probably. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll bounce right back. No issues whatsoever. I was in great shape. And um, and then it, it didn't go that way. It, you know, it was like three months later. Finally, I was able to come back to work, which, you know, it, it, it sucks. You know, yeah. it's one of those things it, that you're just constantly working, you know, and, you know, you, like you said, you wanted to touch base on little, little mental health side of it. I mean, your anxiety to get back to work full strength mm-hmm. is, uh, is through the roof. I mean, it really is. Well, so moving along, okay, so now you've, you've dealt with workman's comp, you've dealt with the injury itself, seen a doctor. Were you, um, I don't want to say prescribed, but were you issued a specific place to go for physical therapy or were you allowed to pick? I was allowed to pick, thankfully. I, I didn't really know where to go. Um, like, you know, we're not from this area entirely. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been up here now working this job for several years, but I didn't really know where to go up here. So I just went with the generic one that I, I knew and I would throw a plug in there, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if we can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But the, uh, I went there and, uh, and it was great. I mean, the, the physical therapist that I had was awesome. Um, she was a CrossFitter, so she knew her shit, um, Mm -hmm. and what, what I needed to be able to do. Um, she was friends with a lot of law enforcement officers at the, another neighboring agency. 
she knew where I needed to be at to get back out on the street and be able to run down suspects and, and things like that. So, so yeah, it was that being able to pick was huge. Um, and I would recommend that you do pick where you want to go because wherever you feel comfortable is where you're going to, you know, flourish when it comes down to putting in the work. So, yeah. And that was something I didn't realize I found out and it worked out. I went in and got my sisters out. They sent me across the hall to get to set up physical therapy. When I got over there, they were like, no, we're booked up for six months. So here's, you know, six other places you can go. And I just kind of pick from there. I didn't realize that, yeah, you are absolutely allowed to pick where you go for physical therapy. You don't, it, the, your company or your agency or whatever cannot dictate where you go. Right. What was your physical therapy like? Uh, it was, it was physically demanding. I mean, at first it started off with, uh, you know, just light, you know, light movement, trying to put some, uh, some bands, you know, tension bands on there to try to uh, strengthen the muscle back up, which may have caused kind of part of the issue as when I hit my mm-hmm. plateau is because mm-hmm. it was forming the muscle around where the, the tendon was not in place. You know, it kind of just, it was intact. It just wasn't in the right area. Yeah. Um, so the muscle was being built around that, which would have formed it. I probably would have, if I would have formed it, kept going there before without that other doctor coming in or the other physical therapist coming in, I probably would have been running with a limp. I would assume. Sure. Um, because the muscle would have been formed around that, you know, that tendon or whatever would have been formed in that area. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, but it was, it was physically demanding, you know, they work you up to it. They know what they're doing, um, yeah. which is great. I, yeah. I have experience in, um, working in a gym. Um, I was kind of an assistant strength coach when I was coaching high school football, when I got in the Marine Corps and everything that they were saying to me, I was, I understood completely. I was like, yep, that's what we got to do. Let's do this. You know, we got to get back to full strength, but, um, it just progressed. You know, it took a while, like I said. Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of weights, a lot of running. It, it, it got to the point where I was running, you know, for sustained periods, you know, up to five, 10 minutes where typical foot chase would, you know, would last, you know, approximately, Mm -hmm. um, if you're running really far. So, um, but yeah. Well, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that it's not like you're going in twice a week and that's it. You're doing, you're going in to see the physical therapist, you know, two, three times a week to, to try to progress you and see where you're at but you're doing this stuff several times a day, you know, at home. And so like, I guess I don't know what you got sent home with, but basically the, the kind of fit for duty and I'm using air quotes there. They wanted me to be able to sit down and stand up and like take stairs. And when I met with my physical therapist, I was like, listen, that's not, that's not police work. I'm like, on top of that, I have a canine where we could be in any type of train I'm on SRT where I I operate a shield. I have to squat for long periods of time and uh, heavy equipment. And my physical therapist was super decent where like he actually had me bring in a training shield and he's like, well, this is what you have to do. We need to build you up to this. And like I said, it started and initially I was supposed to go there to work through the scar tissue in the back of my knee. And it turned into the other issue in the front of my knee, but they were really, really good with that with, sending me home with workouts to do like band stuff like that. And then, I mean, really, really kind of kicking my ass in the gym, which I was kind of surprised to kind of <laughs> take this full circle. I was, my physical therapist was close to where my gym is right now. So kind of that same liberal area, I would go in there and I would see like high schoolers and college age kids. And like, they would do like five squats and take a break and then get a drink. And like, I'm over here sweating my balls off. And I remember when I discharged was pretty close to Christmas. So I, I went and got them gift cards, except, you know, thanking them for their help. And I got a card back in the mail saying Merry Christmas, but then also like, thank you for the attitude and for the hard work you put in. So I can't, I just, I can't imagine what these guys are seeing, what they're having to put up with day in and day out. My suggestion would be kind of like the mental health side of things is it's what you make of it in physical therapy. And it's going to be the hard work that you put yourself through to get yourself back to where you need to be. Yeah. The mental health side of it is huge because, you know, if you're not in the right frame of mind, you know, after you got hurt and you're trying to rebuild your, you know, back to where you were. Uh, or at least, at least just getting back to at least a level that you can return to work at mm-hmm. if the process is taking a while. It's, it's, 
it's mentally draining. You know, it, it takes a lot out of you and you just got to stay motivated and keep pushing through. Um, I was thankful to have, like I said, a really good physical therapist that, uh, that pushed me and with the male physical therapist that I had, <clears throat> um, you know, he was a huge, huge sports fan and we got to talk about sports quite a bit while I was in there working. Yeah. So I'm sure, um, similarly, you know, I probably would have, it probably would have taken me a lot longer to come back than what it did if I wasn't willing and my physical therapist wasn't willing to push me beyond where I was, you know, at yeah. that point. But, yeah. So have, have you had any lingering or reoccurring or like long lasting issues from it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've had a couple of times where I've gone on like <clears throat> runs and it's kind of weird because it'll be like it mo- I, it's only happened in the winter months. And I'm sure it's just because it's freaking cold, mm-hmm. you know? And the, the muscles are, you know, not, not warmed up enough or whatever, but there's been a couple of times that I've, you know, my knees given out, you know, here and there, um, nothing, nothing major, you know, it's, um, it's probably, uh, probably attributed to the me only having 10% of a meniscus in there as well. The stability sure. in it's probably a little sure. off, but like the doctor said, you know, I'm going to have arthritis in my right knee real bad. And then they said, you know, all the limping and walking around, probably isn't going to help my left knee, you know, so we'll see down the road, you know, so it's just one of those things that you got to stay on top of. So like I I did the physical therapy and I still had a little bit of pain in the front of my knee, but it wasn't terrible. And they were like, you know, I really think that if you discharge now and you keep the work up, you'll be, it'll get better. And then obviously if it does not get better, it gets worse, come back in. But so I I kept doing their, their stuff. Plus I was doing uh, DDP yoga which is incredible. It's a kind of like a cardiovascular plus strength and conditioning yoga would absolutely recommend that for anyone who wants to take their workouts to a different type of level. Anyway, I was doing that and was coming along pretty well. And I kind of made the realization, like I have to start getting back into bigger weights and, you know, more traditional cardio. And it was probably six months after the injury that I started instead of just jogging, it was more running. And I remember kind of like maybe a week after I started doing that, if I would squat down, I would hear this just loud pop in the front of my knee and it wouldn't hurt. It was more uncomfortable than anything, but it was any time that I would squat down and get back up, it would pop going down and pop coming back up. Well, then one night I went for a run and for like the first 10th of a mile, it felt like my knee couldn't get any traction. And finally something clicked into it where it did. I finished my run, but then after my workout, my knee swelled up. I could hardly put any weight on it. And I think what it turned out was just going too hard, too fast. And there was some meniscus issues as well as some, some cartilage issues in there that I've worked through. But now, like I said, in the the last episode, if I'm doing anything leg related or anything running related, I wear that, that, athletic tape kt tape or whatever it's called um that's kind of the is that kinetic tape is that what that is yeah that's what it is you're right yep so i i I do that more as a precaution than anything but that's kind of the long lasting i'm I'm assuming that it's from the dog bite i can't nothing else happened in between the dog bite now but that's kind of the long lasting issues that i've been dealing with yeah i'm I'm assuming you're probably gonna probably gonna have that you have you have a nasty scar back there yeah it's gotten pretty good my wife huge help in there was some sort of cream i think it was it was the same stuff that like pregnant ladies use on their on their bellies you know yeah yeah yep yeah so she used that and i think it's gotten better but it's also behind my knee and i can't see it so i'll never know (laughs) yeah i got some pretty good pictures of the injury as well as the the scar now but out of sight, out of mind, I guess. Yeah. Let's go into the mental health, I guess, a little bit. Um, yeah. You talked about the time off and the anxiety that came with that and the stress that came with that. Did you have any sort of mental health issues after that, after you were back on duty? Uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting tra- – that was kind of the last – I had a real hell – I call it hell week. I had a real bad week that week. And that was kind of my, my work week. Uh, I had like, th- you know, three total like major traumatic events occur in that one week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is, you know, I got hurt. So um, that incident uh, alone uh, is kind of, I think it's kind of culminated into the whole week. Um, yeah. And 
but yeah, I mean, there I lost, you know, all substantial amount of sleep, you know, night terrors and things like that, that, you know, you, 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 you suffer, you know, nobody's, nobody's immune to, uh, to having bad dreams, you know? Right. And, uh, and it will, it'll keep you up. And if you're not getting sleep, your, your, your mind's not going to be in the right mental state. So, uh, there's a snowball effect to that, that you really got to try to try to take care of. And my wife did a great job with, you know, trying to let me sleep. And the other thing is that I probably should mention is I was on overnights then, and uh, that's right. You know, you that were. already, yeah, that already is is one hell of a shift to be on for all all issues. You know, whether it's medical or or mental, um, because you're you're so off of what you know everybody everybody mm-hmm. else in the world is. So so really between that and then I was back. You know, I was on light duty then, getting switched to day shift hours. Yep. Um, yep. That was a huge change. So not a healthy. A healthy change either thankfully everything has worked out so yeah i mean i i had in that course of that week you know those three like i said those three events that were pretty traumatic i, I had several nights of like no sleep you know my anxiety as to trying to get back to work and putting a lot of stress on myself i was getting a lot of stress put on me by the department to return you know and i'm like trying to push this thing probably a little bit too hard i did run one time before my physical therapist said I could run and that didn't feel good. So, you know, really I took a step back from there. I just was like, okay, I'm not 22 years old anymore and yeah. I can just do whatever the hell I want. Uh, I need to take this a little bit more serious than that. So, so just follow your, you know, follow what your physical therapist says and the doctors say, and kind of follow that to a T and, and things will turn out okay. But um, yeah, the mental health side of it is, is, was really, was really big for me. Um, trying to just stay positive and and not get down into the uh, the dark hole of trying to conform to what everybody wants you to do and and uh, not taking care of yourself entirely. Yeah, well, I think you? I think like you said, the, the there is that kind of subliminal like being pushed, like, hey, when are you coming back? Do you know anything? Is it sooner rather than later? But I think I don't know if it's just the street cop in you. There's right. that part where you're like. I I loved being home with my family. That was incredible. And getting to spend some actual quality time with my family was great. But you do have that little bit of that, that lion inside of you where you're like, man, I want to get back on it. I want to go, I want to go crush some crime. I want to go put bad guys in jail. So you, there's kind of a stress there on yourself to push yourself to get back also is what I noticed. I don't know. You know, I kind of, I, I replayed the, events in my head several times I can still remember like having a slight sunburn and having that feel on the back of my neck when it happened those type of things you know I Mm -hmm. I can remember I can remember hearing clear as day the other handler Turk she's coming that type of stuff not too bad lingering biggest issue that I had was more nervousness coming back and I kind of I kind of equate it to I've heard a lot of interviews with professional wrestlers, which is kind of a nerd thing I know, but they talk about when they get hurt, do they have what it takes to come back and be the same person they were before the injury as well as are people going to remember me for what I was or what I am now? And like, for me, it was, man, I have that first person take off on me. Is my knee going to blow out chasing after him or when I get back to training, am I going to be able to take a dog bite without freaking out? I remember being a little bit embarrassed and I asked the, the other handler who took me to the hospital and it seems kind of silly now, but I was like, man, did I really, did I sound like a little bitch when I got bit? <laughs> like I remember yelling out loud, but I, yeah, like I was so embarrassed that I yelled with this dog fucking biting my leg. I was, I was pretty nervous going back to training for the first time. Like, what do these guys think about me? Was I a little bitch? Did I handle it well? Can I take a dog bite? And so, like, for me, I just had to get it out of the way. I had to take a dog bite right away. Like, go get your dog. I'm going to put on a sleeve. He's going to fucking bite me, and we're going to get through it. So Yeah, and that's actually a lot of times the uh, – and just on my personal experience from, you know, being injured, the best thing to do is kind of just get back out there and get going again. Yeah. I, well, and, and, you know, looking back, it could have gone one of two ways, right? Like – it could have gone the way that it went where it went well i took the bite and we we kept going or if i was suffering from like ptsd it could have it could have gone the other way yeah so 
it could have been bad, but fortunately well, it was not. And I think the other thing with physical therapy and kind of counter, it kind of counters uh, just, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist, but it, in theory, right. You're working mm-hmm. out, you're, you know, you're having your, what is it? Your endorphins are kicking, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're happy. Right. Um, same thing with physical therapy, right. You're, you're going in, you're getting a, a kind of a workout in, you're improving yourself um, physically and uh, you're, you know, you're making strides, you're making gains uh, to, be, you know, to be better. You know, my thing with my, you know, where I hit that plateau, that's where it kind of started to grab a hold of me a little bit because sure. it was like, shit, now I'm kind of stuck. <laughs> and all I really wanted to do is go back to work, which like you said, you know, you're spending time with your family, you're on a normal schedule, you know, mm-hmm. there, there is, there is a little bit of a caveat to that, but at the same time, it's not who you are as a police officer, very similar circumstances right now. And I, you know, it's just one of those things where you're like, it's time, you know, right. let's do this. And it's, it's just that process, you know, just keep, you just got to keep fighting through it, you know, and, and, and looking at it that way, finding the silver lining and everything. Well, I think, I think going back to that second injury, I didn't go to the doctor and I probably should have, but some of it was that anxiety of like, what are people going to think if I go back on mm-hmm. light duty? What if it's worse than we initially thought it was? And I can no longer be the breadwinner in my family. You know what I mean? Right. Like what yep. if it ends up being a medical retirement? I get kicked out. And now I don't, law enforcement's all I know. That was a lot of anxiety that second time around and probably didn't handle it right. I remember, luckily I'd had some time off when I hurt myself. So I was able to just rest it. But like for the first week back, I had it, I had my knee heavily braced just to make sure nothing happened. Mm -hmm. Looking back, I should have gone to a fucking doctor and just had it addressed and go with it. You know? Yeah. It's the hindsight's always 2020. You never really know. Like what, um, you're gonna, what you're going to oh, do. So, yeah, I get, so the thought that kind of popped into my head, I don't know if you would agree with this, just like any traumatic incident. I almost think that if you get injured on duty before you come back, they should pay to have you go see somebody and talk to somebody. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that the way, you know, with mental health now is mm. big. I mean, it's a big deal. Uh, you know, we're not, you know, several years ago, people were like, oh, you know, you know, suck it up, put a bandaid on and get back out there. There's there's a huge problem. And I, I can only speak from that from experience with, you know, friends of mine that I served with in the military that are mm-hmm. no longer with us. Um, law enforcement is very similar. I mean, in all reality, you're in law enforcement, you deploy every single day. You see some crazy shit. And if you get hurt, it's just one more thing that's kind of added to the traumatic side of it that you probably do need to go talk to somebody yeah. while in recovery. I mean, yeah. in all reality. Um, and even if it is just a account, you know, counseling session, you just want to kind of talk about the incident um, by all means do so. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, there's a difference between getting shot in the line of duty and falling on mm-hmm. a piece of ice and, and cracking your wrist. But at the same time, I think it would, just, would be a good idea precautionary and to, kind of preventative maintenance to to make sure you're okay to make sure you're good to go i'm not you know i don't know that either you or i needed that but i think it would have been smart to have had that right and i i yeah i probably should have you know just based off the the three incidents that occurred to me in that week you know it's one of those things you know that it's you just kind of dealing with you know and uh you know they from my understanding you know just to talk about ptsd for example is that stuff you know, just from doing some research and talking with people who actually have diagnosed with it, um, you know, it, it doesn't tell you when it's going to take its grips on you. Right. Just kind of, it's very intermittent. It fluctuates. It's not, there's not like some set time that it's just going to appear, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it gets you when you least expect it. And for me, it was, you know, when I was sleeping, you know, I had my guard down and, um, and had nightmares and, um, and they're wicked nightmares. I mean, like not even close to how the call occurred, (laughs) but, yeah, it was, it was definitely like, like some demon was coming out to haunt me. I was like, what the fuck is this? So pretty crazy. See, I, um, I think that I must not be as smart as the average person because I don't have very vivid dreams at all. Like my wife will have dreams and she can tell me like point A to point B to point Z what happened. And I'm like, well, I think I had a dream where I didn't have my shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> so maybe don't I don't have what happened. Maybe I don't have the mental capacity that all you guys have. <laughs> I, dude, I don't know, man. I yeah, those. You know, I, I the last. I don't know the last time I had a dream. 
off the top of my head, you know, I mean, I'm sure it was recent, but you know, typically, you know, you have a dream and you forget about it, you know, it's mm-hmm. one of those things, but I don't, I don't know, man, it's those, uh, those nightmares, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who've been in law enforcement for, you know, 30 plus years, you know, just being in, you know, in the law enforcement family for as long as I have been. And the, you know, there's some, there's some stories that they tell about their, their night terrors and things like that. It, it's a real freaking thing. Yeah. And you know, they can remember stories and vivid stories are um, very graphic from back when they started in law enforcement that they're still, you know, having, having dreams about, or they think about, or, or all that stuff. So, and, you know, you absolutely can seek help and mm-hmm. you're absolutely going to have to live with it and you should mm-hmm. live with it. And it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, and if you need help, get help. Absolutely. But, I was just going to say that, like, this is almost yep. a perfect time to mention that. If you need help, either find it yourself, use a friend, use family, use us. We've said it every episode. We're not going to use your story to make us famous or to throw you under the bus, whether we know you or not. We're not going to contact your department and say, hey, uh, Joe Smo told me that he's got PTSD and he's he's got some thoughts in his head. We're not going to we're not going to tell anybody that we're going to try to get you help. That's what we're here for. Exactly. That's, and uh, I, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, this almost was kind of a therapeutic episode for me. Yeah. Well, just you kind know, of getting I think, out. I, I think down the road, you know, I'll probably like to talk about the other two calls in that week that I was on. Um, mm-hmm. Not ready for those yet. Those are still something that's just kind of crazy. Everyone's so, got a story yeah. and everyone's going to tell it when they can tell it. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, it, it is therapeutic. And, and like we've said, if, you know, if there's somebody out there, one of our fans wants to come on and talk about anything, you're, you're more than welcome to do so. We're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're here for. You know, we decided this is going to be a platform and we have a job to do um, outside of our, our, our employment. So, um, and that is to try to save or, or bring, you know, laughs to as many people as possible. Yep. We, we take this responsibility very seriously and we're not going anywhere and we're going to do what we can to make this profession as, as good as it can be. Yeah. That's what we've, I got, man. <clears throat> uh, it's been, this must've this been a really good topic. Record. I was going to say, it must be a good topic because we've covered, I want to say almost 70 minutes right now. <laughs> we're talking about this stuff. I guess we'll just leave it like we do every episode. Uh, we're currently at 99 followers on Facebook. And a couple episodes ago, we talked about needing a hundred before we can unlock certain things to see who who our followers are and interact with them a little better. Please, please, please go out there and like our socials, follow our socials and share them if you if you'd be so kind. Facebook is spinning our gears or at spinning our gears. Instagram is spinning our gears. Swagger, what's Jeez. what's Twitter? Oh man, I don't remember. What is it? Oh come on. It's ah. at spinning our gear. What do you do gear. with that S? You leave the S off. <laughs> For the for the seventh time, how many, how many episodes is this? It's, I'd say it's almost seven or eight. This is why you do that part, not me. <laughs> Leave the S off the back of it, but it's at Spinning Our Gear for Twitter. Our weeks have been kind of busy. We are still looking at those other avenues that we talked about. We'll have more information there. I think at this point we're going to stop mentioning it until it happens. But those <laughs> we're, we are we are looking to to open those avenues, and we'll we'll see what happens. So anything else there, like Swagger? It. I got nothing else, man. It's been okay. a good episode. And, you know, you know, obviously everybody out there, take care of each other. Stay safe, guys.